this week, Bill. Bill Sims compared you a little bit to Joe Montana. Ironically, a couple of weeks ago, it was Joe Mixon talking to Jerry Rice about Jamar. Let's relax. Let's relax. Let's relax, <laughs> Let's relax with all of that. Let me be me. Let me be me. I think we showed today that you know we, you know, Josh, you know, gets you know out the rest of the game, and Darren's out. We can still win. Um, and that's the key for any offense in the NFL. You have to be on third and manageable. You can't be third and 12, third and 13 in this league. You're not going to be successful. So for us, it's all about first and second down. You know, am I happy it's over with? Yeah. You know, um, got a lot of great friends. Got a lot of you know people that I, I care about that are on that team or from that city, and. Uh, just, just glad to uh, to have this one over with. Can you know put storylines story away and just go out and play football the rest of the year? But I don't keep too many. I don't actually keep too many things. So, um, in that circumstance, I just yeah, I felt like that might be a good one to keep. Every time I see Tom Brady with the backward hat, I'm reminded of Colin Coward's ridiculous take that franchise quarterbacks should not wear their hats backward and that if you do ipso facto you're not a franchise quarterback but I will say this I will say this in full recognition of the fact that I am 12 years older than Tom Brady he's too damn old to be wearing his hat backward I'll bring in someone who is my age actually three months older than me but we <laughs> never mention that except when we do hello Shereen Williams how are you today Hi, Mike. I can hear you now. I don't know if I, I want to, I, but I can. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who would fall into that category, I believe. But uh, hear me, you shall, over the course of the next hour, along with anyone else who has the misfortune of checking out this channel on Peacock or on SiriusXM, the two spots where PFTPM airs every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Hello to everyone out there. Shireen. Your Dallas Cowboys didn't play yesterday, and some would say my Minnesota Vikings, although I disavow that, didn't play yesterday. It's a weird weekend, isn't it, when a team you follow a little bit more than others is off? Everything feels a little bit off. Well, you know, I covered the Cowboys for 17 years, so I had all kinds of people say, what are, what are you doing on your bye week? What bye week? There is no bye yeah. week. We cover the NFL. We don't cover one team. Do you have people ask you in – January and February after the Super Bowl. Do you have people come up to you and yes. say, now the season's over, what do you do with yourself? Do you get that? What do you do? Oh, all yeah. the time, yeah. yeah. NFL's yeah. 365. Yeah, it's always fun when someone outs. I, you know, I, hey, let me tell you, I watch you all the time. I follow everything you do. But what do you do when football season's over? That's the perfect clue <laughs> that the first yes. part of it was a load of crap. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into it. And by the way, by the way, I, I, I really – have become agnostic about the team that I grew up rooting for. I think everybody who got drawn into yeah. the NFL in some way had to have a favorite team. But my son is as bad as I was when I was 25. And I, I and that kind of pulls me back into it just because, I, you know, I, you, you want your kid to be happy. So I want him to be happy. And he'll text yeah. me during the games. And he's nervous. And he'll send gifts of, you know, SpongeBob chewing on his fingernails <laughs> when the game. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because it reminds me of how I used to be. I used to live and die with it. And now, I mean, I, I, have, I can't afford to care. We're trying to cover the whole league. And that's what we'll try to do today, or at least as much of it as is relevant today. And one of the stories that is most relevant is the collapse of the Kansas City Chiefs, the two-time defending AFC champions who were the betting favorites 
before the season and into the early part of the season to win the Super Bowl again are now three and four, sinking like a stone. Here is Andy Reid from earlier today, head coach of the team, on the state of a franchise that managed to score only three points against the Titans on Sunday. I can only tell you that we, we all need to get better on this. It's always it's always good to get after the quarterback or get after you know a specific area. It's not one thing right now. It's a, it's a, there's a handful or two handfuls of things that we, we've got to get straight. And that's coaching and that's playing. And, and so um, without going into a whole lot of detail, because we still got a lot of game turn to play, um, you know, the, the obvious, I think, is what you, you guys can see. And, and that's got to be fixed. If it's fixed, you, you, you're going to have a chance to win every football game. If it's not fixed, then you're going to struggle. I thought one of the positives, Pete, was on the plane, you know, all the guys have these iPads now. So on the plane, they all had the game on. They were all looking at the game in the back of the plane. And it wasn't, you know, the loud music or whatever you can perceive to be that goes on in the back of the plane. This was focused on trying to get better and, and looking at it, curious to see, you know, what went wrong. And... So I can handle that. that. That normally tells you you got a pretty strong locker room. And and uh, and we need that right now. That's what we need. We need strong coaches and coaching. And we need good, solid, a, a good, solid, strong locker room. And so um, I felt, you know, guys want to do the right things. We just got to, we got to make sure that we're putting them in position to do it. And then when they're put there, that they, they execute it the right way and, and then make the play. That's Andy Reid with an extensive discussion about what's wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. He takes some solace in the fact that the players were watching the game on the flight home yesterday from Nashville. Not a long flight and not much of the game you'd really want to watch. You could watch the positive plays pretty quickly. But, you know, the bottom line is, Shereen, I believe the Chiefs have lost their mystique and they've lost their confidence that they can go out and score 28 points in a quarter. The problem is their opponents have not yet lost the fear that the Chiefs can do it. That's something Ryan Tannehill told me after the game yesterday. They were aware as aware can be of the fact that the Chiefs are capable of scoring a lot of points. So they were ready for it, so they never let off the gas, and the Chiefs never found the gas pedal. But uh, until the Chiefs either begin to believe in themselves again and actually can execute or the opponents start regarding them a little more lightly than they do, it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs to turn it on like that because everyone is on guard for it and the Chiefs, for whatever reason, can't get their magic back. Well, first of all, Mike, I think Microsoft is going to be a little bit perturbed that their agreement with the NFL to provide the NFL with tablets that That (laughs) Andy Reid refers to them as iPads, but I digress. Um, That would not be the first time. That would not be the first time that a company sponsored by Microsoft has had one of its prominent employees say iPad instead. Uh, But uh, I digress. Go ahead. (laughs) I agree with you. You know who they remind me of? They remind me of the Cowboys last season. And the first five games that Dak played, and of course he got hurt after that, but they were not a good team. And they were not a good team because their defensive coordinator was not very good. Didn't put them in good positions. They gave up so many yards on defense. The quarterback pressed. He was 
first in the NFL in passing yards. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is third in the NFL in passing yards. He's pressing. He's turning the ball over. 16 interceptions, Mike, in the last 16 games for Patrick Mahomes. He is pressing to make plays because he knows they're going to have to outscore teams because that defense is so bad. They're 28th in total defense, 27th in rushing, 26th in passing. They just remind me so much of that Cowboys team, just trying to outscore teams, and it just doesn't work. You've got to have defense to win in this league. I know it's the old adage, defense wins championships. I don't know if that's exactly true, but you have to have some defense to win in this league. You can't just consistently outscore teams, and that, is, to me, is what the Chiefs are trying to do right now. And you have to have some offense, too. you got to muster more than three points. So both sides yeah. are hurting the Chiefs right now. And I, I can't help but wonder, and Mike Golick and I talked about this earlier today, For the first three years of Patrick Mahomes' career as a starter, 2018, 2019, 2020, he was so exciting in part because he ran around like his hair was on fire and he'd make these plays and it was like an Indiana Jones sliding under the door and reaching back and grabbing his hat quality. Like every big play he made was by the skin of his teeth and he had no margin for error. And now that margin for error is gone. He doesn't make those plays like he used to, and he still does sometimes, but not as consistently as he used to. It didn't blow up on him like this in the past, and he didn't get hit like he's getting hit now. And I just can't help but wonder whether that toe injury he had last year, the ligaments injured yeah. so badly that after he ran around like crazy in Super Bowl 55 trying to will the team to victory, had surgery three days later, I, I, I don't think it takes much diminishment to cause him to lose that edge because it was right on the razor's edge anyway and I you know there's no way to compare how he moves now to how he moved before if and if there is it wouldn't be obvious but I just feel like there's just a little bit just enough missing that makes the difference between making those plays and not making those plays yeah, and I agree with you, Mike. And he's thrown an, at least one interception in every game this season, except the season opener, six straight games of that. Only Zach Wilson, he's tied with him for nine interceptions. That's the only other quarterback who's thrown nine interceptions this season. He's really struggling, frankly. And he hasn't been in this position since he's been to the NFL. But you're right about that margin. It's not very, very wide. And it's a narrow margin. And he's making some mistakes now that he didn't make in those first three years. And oh, by the way, old takes exposed. We all thought we lauded the Chiefs after they went out and rebuilt this offensive line. And this offensive line is terrific and it's much improved. And how could they do that overnight? They've done it. Guess what? They haven't done it. That offensive line is still shaky. They've got to get better in the offensive line in the offseason, Mike, whether that's signing free agents or doing it in the draft. But they've got to get better and better protect him. Well, and the defense needs to be improved as well. I think there was so much of a focus on improving the offensive line that they forgot about the defense, and the defense has regressed. The team has regressed, and this is way too early, but I always try to look multiple moves down the board, and this is multiple years down the line. We've seen how Russell Wilson has become disenchanted with the Seahawks. We saw how Tom Brady eventually became disenchanted with the Patriots. What drives that is the quality of the team around a great quarterback who wants to build his legacy and add to it. And 
you know, we thought and still think Patrick Mahomes is going to be with the Chiefs for as long as he plays football. You, you never know how this is going to play out. And, and frankly, you know, but before we even get to that point where it's a relevant question, where one of the best quarterbacks in football decides he wants to play somewhere else, you have to reestablish yourself as one of the best quarterbacks in football. And right now, as, as painful it is to say it, Patrick Mahomes is not one of the best quarterbacks in football. Peter King ranked his top 12 last week, and we talked about it on Friday's PFT Live, and he had Mahomes at eight, and I, I didn't think that was yeah. out of line considering the seven names ahead of him and, and, and considering where he is right now. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. And, and I'll take that out to the head coach, too. Who knows how much longer Andy Reid's going to want to coach if this is the type of season that he's going to have to go through. We know his age. We know what he's done. He's now won his Super Bowl. And this is a team after that first Super Bowl, if you'll remember, was talking about six, seven, eight Super Bowls. I don't know if they even got up to nine, but the number kept climbing. And they found out how hard it is even to win one, much less two or three or four. And it makes you appreciate really what the Patriots were able to do in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. But because they were just consistently winning that. You just knew they were going to win that division. And now, to me, it's almost a given that the Chiefs aren't going to win the division. I think they can still make the playoffs. They need to turn it around pretty quickly. But I don't see them right now as a Super Bowl team, and I don't know how they get that turned around to become a Super Bowl team. For the last five years, Mike, they've had four or fewer losses in those seasons. They already have four. This is not the same team that we're used to seeing. I said earlier today they need to do something symbolic to bury the past, 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah. Maybe they need to bury their trophies. They, you know, they need to do something to put last year and the year before that behind them and forget about it because that can drag you down. When you know how good you have been in the recent past and you're suddenly not there, it adds to the frustration. They need to bottom out and climb out of that hole. And if, if they do it, Shireen, if they can find a way – to reach their low point, whatever their low point is, and who knows, maybe the low point is next Monday night losing to the Giants. That would definitely be a low point, all due respect yeah, to the Giants. Yeah. But when they hit their low point, if they can dig out of it and steal one of the last two spots at the table, six seed or seven seed in the AFC, they would be very dangerous in a single elimination setting because the teams that we have seen historically who have to do it the hard way, who have to go on the road for three rounds of the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl – those teams have great quarterback play, with the exception of the 2005 Steelers, who were the sixth seed. And, and they, had, they had good quarterback play from Ben Roethlisberger, but not great, especially in the Super Bowl. Usually it's great quarterback play start to finish when you get to the postseason, and they could do it. They could still do it, and what a story it would be if everyone writes them off and they dig out. And I think that's what they need more than anything else. They need all of us, everyone in the media, all the fans, to collectively say the Chiefs suck. And to say it loudly enough that the Chiefs forget about everything they've ever done, get pissed off, frankly, about what everyone is thinking about them, and then they can start digging out of it. And that's a real human emotion that can make them finally forget about how good they've been and focus on coming together, sticking together, and going about the business of doing whatever they have to do to get one of the seats at the table. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. And I, and I think, you know what, getting healthy on defense will help them a little bit. Now, I still have questions about what they're doing on defense. But, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones have been hurt most of the year. If they can get those guys back healthy and they're healthy at the right time, you're right. 
it's not going to be a team that you want to play in the postseason with all of their postseason experience. Let's go the other way, though. The last time they didn't make the playoffs was 2014, and they went 9-7 and seven that year. The last time they had a losing record was 2012 when they went 2-14. and 14. And obviously Andy Reid came in and then, and then changed all that. So this is a team that you don't want to write them off just yet. They still can be dangerous, but they don't look like those same Kansas City Chiefs that we're used to seeing. Yeah, and we'll see how it plays out again starting next Monday night when the Chiefs take on the New York Giants. The Carolina Panthers played the Giants this past weekend. It did not go well for Carolina. A resounding defeat punctuated by the benching of Sam Darnold for P.J. Walker, who was last seen playing for your Houston Roughnecks, Shireen, of the XFL. (laughs) Matt Rule, coach of the Panthers, earlier today, talking about the quarterback situation and specifically addressing the reports. They ain't rumors. They're reports, and there is merit to them that the Panthers are one of the two finalists to trade for Deshaun Watson. Here's Rule talking about the Watson chatter. See, I, I know there was a report out there. Uh, you guys know that wasn't for me. Um, uh, you know, um, I, I really have nothing to, nothing, to, nothing to add to that. You know, my focus is on this team, and uh, we're a three and four football team right now, and uh, we've got to find a way to win this week. So my, my focus is on uh, learning from yesterday and then getting ready for this week. Um, with that being said, um, you know, uh, Sam, Sam will start a quarterback this week. Um, you know, I've, I've said to you guys that there's going to be some high moments and some low moments. Uh, I think how he responds this week is going to be important uh, for him and to our team. Um, and I... I think I made the right decision yesterday, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, it wasn't good enough. And, um, you know, when you're the quarterback, it has to be good enough. And it wasn't good enough. I mean, will you particularly contact uh, the Texans about uh, Deshaun Watson before the trade deadline? You know, and I understand why you guys have to ask. And obviously, I can't talk about any player under contract or anything like that. So you know, I couldn't answer a que- uh, that question anyway. But, um, you know, my fo- I'm here today to talk about, uh, you know, yesterday and this week. I'm... Uh, what our team doesn't need right now is a distracted coach. We need, you know, they need me focused on the matter at hand, and that's finding a way to win. Yeah, and the Panthers have lost four in a row after starting three. And now he said all the right things. You cannot talk about interest in a player under contract with another team. Even though the NFL rarely enforces the tampering rules, you never know which day which violation, which occasion is going to be the one that gets the league office to come after you and start taking draft picks. So it's better to be safe. Rule was smart. And let's face it, Shereen, at the end of the day, it's not his call. Owner David Tepper covets a franchise quarterback more than anything else at this point, and he sees an opening to potentially get Deshaun Watson. It comes down to which team he will, tra- he will waive the no-trade clause for. The Dolphins are the favorites. There's a chance that it will be the Panthers. And it could go down as soon as tomorrow. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying it could. To Miami. If it doesn't happen in Miami, Carolina becomes the next destination. But it's not going to be Matt Rule's choice. It's not going to be his say. Why would he say no to it at this point when he benched Sam Darnold for P.J. Walker? But the bottom line is this is ownership stuff. This is oligarch prerogative in, in Carolina and in Miami, and uh, Tepper wants Watson, and we'll see if Tepper gets him. Well, and that's the thing, too, Mike. 
I mean, Matt Rule, if he, what if he just came out and said, yeah, we're interested in Deshaun Watson. They end up, they don't get him. What does that do for the psyche of this football team? So you have to pretend that it, it's not happening when we know it is happening and they want him and they want him very badly. And who wouldn't want Deshaun Watson over Sam Darnold? I said before the year started, I didn't think the Panthers would make the playoffs because I didn't believe in Sam Darnold, and that's just proving true. He looked good in the first three games. He hasn't looked good in the the past four games. Yes, they're a different football team with Christian McCaffrey in there. He's played six games in the last two years. I just don't think you can count on him at this point to be in your lineup every single game of every single year. But they are 3-0 and with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. That will help this offense, but what will help this offense more is getting a better quarterback. And I think we all agree, if he doesn't get put on the commissioner exempt list, Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback over Sam Darnold, who, by the way, is his 77.5 passer rating. It's above only four rookies right now. He's not good. He hasn't been good this season. Seven touchdowns and eight interceptions. And listen, you can start doing the victory lap. You said the Panthers have no chance to make the playoffs. Now, we may feel differently if they end up with Deshaun Watson. And in that same draft on PFT Live, which I should have vetoed, I said the Bengals have no <laughs> chance to make the playoffs. And I got to own that. Wrong. But, uh, but, hey, circumstances change. They haven't made it yet. All we know is that their worst possible record could be 5-12. and 12. That's all we know. They could lose 10 in a row. Stranger things have happened, although I don't think they will. The Panthers really need someone like Deshaun Watson if they want to salvage this yeah. season because from 3-0 and to 3-4, and and I don't think Joe Brady, a guy that gets a lot of buzz for head coaching yeah. consideration, I don't think he and Darnold did enough together to stay ahead of defenses that started to figure out what they were doing. And, yeah, it hurts to not have Christian McCaffrey. But you know what? They weren't terrible last year, and they didn't have McCaffrey for most of the season. So you still got to move forward. You still got to win games. And I think they would be much better, even without McCaffrey, if they could get Deshaun Watson. We will see if they do. And real quickly, for anyone that hasn't heard me say this the past couple of days, the league has not decided whether or not Deshaun Watson will be placed on the commissioner exempt list if he is traded to a team that is willing to play him. For now, there's no reason for the league to do anything, so the league won't make any decisions until it has to. The Texans are paying him to not play. Once a trade happens, that's when the league has to make a decision based upon the circumstances, whatever they may be, at the time the trade occurs. If for some reason over the next few days the criminal cases go away, that changes the circumstances. If the civil cases are settled, that changes the circumstances. So the NFL is not going to even begin to make a decision about Deshaun Watson being on paid leave until it has to, and it doesn't have to until a trade happens. And the NFL has been telling teams that inquire what happens if he's traded. They're not telling them anything about what happens if he is indeed traded. All right, let's move to the COVID situation, which continues to hover over the National Football League, and it has hit the Green Bay Packers in a huge way. Three days before Thursday night showdown in Arizona against the Cardinals, 6-1 and Packers, 7-0 and Cardinals. Devontae Adams testing positive today and placed on the COVID reserve list. He says he's vaccinated. Doesn't matter. If you test positive and everyone's tested once a week, a third of the team gets tested Monday, a third gets tested Tuesday, a third gets tested Wednesday, They tested Adams today, and his only chance of playing on Thursday night is if he generates two positive tests at least 24 hours apart. The clock is ticking, Shireen, and we haven't seen anybody come back within, I think, five days 
of being placed on COVID reserve when they've been vaccinated. The idea that Adams would be back in three days is a real stretch. Yeah, two negative tests within 24 hours or 24 hours apart, Mike, and that's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. It'll be NFL history if it does happen. Most have been 10 days to come back off that list. I think we might have had one or two at seven or eight days. Devontae Adams is not going to play in this game, unless it was a false positive. I guess there, there is that out there, but we haven't seen much of that. When guys have gone on this list, they stayed on this list over a week. I would expect Devontae Adams to be on this list over a week. And also, by the way, defensive coordinator Joe Barry is probably not going to coach in this game. Same situation, tested positive. And they'll brace themselves now for more positive tests between now and Thursday because more certainly could come out of this. Yeah, and we've seen that with a couple of teams this year where the cluster happens. It's one after another. And uh, you, you just see. And, and there will be more players tested tomorrow who were vaccinated. More on Wednesday, the three-day window as required by the rules for testing the players and staff once per week if they are vaccinated. Of course, the unvaccinated are tested every day. And there's a point where if you have enough positives, everyone gets tested every day. But you know, we haven't had even the discussion of a game being moved. And, and you know what? The Cardinals are going to shed no tears for anyone, Shireen, because oh, – right. They've just played two games with COVID issues. They didn't have their coach for one. Their coach gets cleared basically game day for the other. So, you know, I I believe the vibe continues to be we're not changing anything this year. You got 69 players available to you, 53 on the roster, 16 on the practice squad. All of them can be called up at any given moment for uh, the game, if need be, up to 90 minutes before kickoff. And we just expect you to play. And I fully expect that no matter how many more positives happen this week for the Packers, they're playing Thursday night. Even if Aaron Rodgers tests positive between now and Thursday, even if Jordan Love tests positive as well, even if they have no quarterbacks. We saw the Broncos last year have to go with Kendall Hinton at quarterback. So I I don't think it matters. But where it does matter is one of the – toughest spots remaining on the schedule for the Cardinals becomes a lot easier potentially if there are more positives yeah no question about that Mike they got Chandler Jones back today activated a couple guys Chandler Jones hadn't played the last two games because of his positive COVID tests so the Cardinals are going in the right direction right now the Packers are going in the other direction that's why the line we've seen the line climb today I think it's gone up two points now the the uh, Cardinals are somewhere around five and a half six point favorites started out somewhere around three and a half but that that line is climbing it's climbing because of the the Packers COVID problems and hopefully they won't have any others but if they do you're right they're going to play this game anyway regardless also on the COVID reserve list, although I don't know if they have a COVID reserve list for coaches. You're just, you have COVID, you're not available to coach. Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears, again, he can return after two negative tests at least 24 hours apart. Chris Tabor, the special teams coach, will run the meeting for the Bears. They got bigger problems than not having their head coach after getting yeah. shellacked on Sunday by the Buccaneers 38-3. to But it's another reminder, you know, So much of the world has moved on, and we tune into these games, and the stadiums are full, and we haven't heard anything about clusters of positive cases or, you know, huge spikes. If anything, nationally, the numbers are dropping, and that's very good news, and I hope more and more people get vaccinated. That's good news that more people are doing that. But you still can have any given day, every given day, 
not just low-level guys, but anyone, players, coaches, whoever, not available, and everyone's got to be ready for that, and you never know when that is going to hit a given team. Yeah, and the Bears have a cluster. They have four players on COVID as well, including Jimmy Graham and, and Robert Quinn. Bears fans, though, will get one thing they've been yelling for at least through this year, probably into last year, and that's for Matt Nagy to give up play-calling duties. He's not going to be calling any of the plays. He's not going to have oversight on any of that this week, more than likely. So they'll get to see somebody else call the plays and handle the offense, and we'll see what that offense will do. Cardinals did just fine without Cliff Kingsbury being in there calling plays, so we'll see what the Bears can do without Matt Nagy having any input. We almost didn't see Aaron Rodgers on Sunday for reasons unrelated to COVID. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, as we're processing all of the sound that comes out of the early games and the late games, there's different press conferences. It is a whirlwind, or as Sims would say, a whirlwind of activity. (laughs) And you see snippets, you see stories, you see tweets. And some things that should be a big deal don't become a big deal. All I saw about Aaron Rodgers' post-game press conference is he was complaining about the antiquated practice of staying in a hotel the night before a home game. And I put it on my list of things to address today. Well, then I pulled up his press conference, all 15 minutes of it, listened to all of it. And the precursor for making his comment about not wanting to sleep in a hotel room bed was jarring to me. And I'm amazed it didn't get more play yesterday. But here's Rodgers explaining why he almost didn't play against Washington on Sunday. I do have to give a big shout-out to Nate Weir and Mike Zoli. I woke up this morning and my back was killing me. It was all locked up, and I came in here early. And uh, I'm thankful for those guys taking care of me in order to go out and play today. Um, Wait a minute. Okay, if you're going to shout them out, then how do you – you wake up and – Yeah, my back was a little stiff Saturday, and um, maybe you guys know this or don't know this, but there's an antiquated uh, procedural thing in our league where the most important night of sleep, we stay at a hotel. Um, (laughs) And I don't want to blame it on the hotel. It's a nice hotel. Uh, But my bed at at the house um, that I'm sleeping every other night of my time here in Green Bay um, would probably be a little bit of a better uh, option, um, I think. It was so jarring, Shireen, that while he was explaining the situation, a reporter interrupted him like, oh, wait, wait a minute. What is this you're saying? And you could tell he had that little flash of, what the hell are you doing? I'm trying to explain it. But uh, that's amazing to me. He wakes up, his back is locked up. And anybody who's ever had issues with their backs, and I get it once every three or four years. I had it a few weeks ago. You can't stand up straight. You can't walk right. Um, It's good that those guys worked on him and got him ready to go. Wouldn't that have been something if all of a sudden it's Jordan Love? On Sunday for the Packers, uh, and and there was no warning whatsoever that Aaron Rodgers may miss the game. So I don't know, maybe he's being a little Ben Roethlisberger-ish, but I was I was stunned by that explanation. <laughs> 
Yeah, and what do you want to bet that Aaron Rodgers now gets to sleep in his own bed at home? I would be willing to bet that happens. But again, not good advertising for the hotel, whatever hotel that is in Green Bay. Good thing he didn't mention that hotel because surely they have some agreement with the Packers, some advertising thing. So, But I bet I would be willing to bet, Mike, that before their next home game, he's sleeping in his own bed at the house. Well, let me just say this. Aaron Rodgers has the money to have the mattress that he prefers to sleep on replicated and installed in his suite at that hotel. And I have a feeling that they would be more than happy to accommodate him by removing the normal bed and putting his bed in there every week. So, you know, it it doesn't seem like it would take a whole lot to get him on the same mattress. They probably would come to his house and take his bed to the hotel and take it back during the game so he wouldn't even notice that he hadn't missed his bed at all. Um, but, but I will say this. The reason teams do it is not everyone is going to get a good night's sleep if they're staying at home. Some guys are going to go out. Some guys are going to get drunk. Some guys are going to stay out all night. Some guy like Max McGee, who yep. played in the first Super Bowl, hung over because he broke curfew and stayed out all night playing for the Green Bay Packers because he didn't know he was going to play. So um, I, I just, regardless of the antiquated rule, I was stunned that we had that back scare that we didn't know about. And if they hadn't gotten him loosened up, what would have happened yesterday for the Green Bay Packers? And, and they have that short week. And, you know, Rodgers 37. Who, who's to say his back's not going to lock up again on him later this week? So it's something to keep an eye on. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, I spoke yesterday with Ryan Tannehill and C.J. Uzama of the Cincinnati Bengals. Their conversations. You'll hear those next on PFTGM. Sorry I went over. I just wanted to. say to the fan who gave you back your 600th ball. That was really cool. I got in the bag over there. So Mike gave it away. He goes, man, I'm sorry, man. I get it. I said, sorry. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get it back. But I don't keep too many. I don't actually keep too many things. So um, in that circumstance, I just, yeah, I felt like that might be a good one to keep. Yeah, let's get it back short of giving him fair value for the gift he was given by Mike Evans. I've got some strong opinions about this, although it's easy for me to say it. It would be much harder to actually do it because if you are the one who is given the ball and then they come over and ask for it back and you say no, it quickly becomes apparent to everyone that you are a jerk. (laughs) And so you really have to hold firm if you want to walk out of there with that football. But, hey, let's spell it out. Here it is. Mike Evans catches the touchdown pass. That's number 600 for Tom Brady's career. Nobody bothered to tell Mike Evans, that it was number 600. Please bring it back and give it to the equipment manager. Mike Evans says, here, I got a gift for you. Here's a ball that's worth about a half million dollars. Have fun with it. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, really? Oh, oh, wow. And then they get it back from him, and uh, they promise all sorts of stuff. But now the guy wants a round of golf with Tom Brady. As Josh Albert points out, maybe you should ask for a book on how to properly negotiate after you have given up the thing that gives you the leverage. That would have been helpful for him to have. Shereen, what would you have done in that spot? (laughs) Well, we've debated this all day on our PFT text string, and I know you and I disagree on what we would do here. First of all, Mike, the fact that we're talking about this this is the most talked about story today tells you really how bad the games were this weekend, and they were bad. This was (laughs) a bad, bad, bad weekend of football. This is the best thing that we've talked about all day, right? But, I, Mike, I, 
I would have held on to the ball and said I will give it back to him after the game, and I would have wanted to talk to him personally, handing the ball. And, and that gives me time to think about what I want to ask for. Two Super Bowl tickets, uh, you know, some signed stuff. You know, what do you want? A, a round of golf? That's what he wants, a round of golf, whatever. It's not going to be $500,000 worth of stuff. I would have given him the ball back, but I would have taken time to figure out what I wanted in return from the ball and meet him after the game. There's no guarantee now that they'll bring him out to practice or let him meet Tom Brady and Mike Evans or anything. So I would have at least wanted to be guaranteed that. Well, and there is a way that it can happen. We can shame Tom Brady into it because the guy handed back a ball estimated to be worth $500,000. And I go back to October of 2001, 21 years ago, when Tom Brady throws his first NFL touchdown pass, Terry Glenn throws it into the stands, the late Terry Glenn, who caught that first touchdown pass in Tom Brady's career. The fan who got it kept it. For all of Brady's time with the team, he kept it in a safe deposit box. He would go visit the ball before big games. Sold it at auction earlier this year for $425,000. Nobody ever asked him to give it back. Nobody ever said, that's not yours. You, you go to the game, they give you the ball. Now, I don't know. I'm going to try to find the fine print on a Buccaneers ticket. Is there something there that says anything that comes into the stand, we, recl- we reserve the right to claim it? I, It's an interesting legal question, but here's what I would have done if I would have. And I'd like to think, since I follow this, if I was front row in an end zone at that game yesterday, there's a chance that football is coming my way, slim as it may be. What do I do if I get this ball? And the smart thing to do, as I said on our text thread today, would have been for that man to declare loudly, I have to poop and go to the bathroom, and never come back. Leave. Forget about the game. You are carrying a half million dollars in your hands, and you don't want there to be a buzz, oh, he's got the football, because then you get hit with a sock full of pennies, and there goes the $500,000 ball. I would have gone home at that moment, secured the ball, and then figured out what to do next. But he was given a a lottery ticket worth $500,000, and he gave it back. And now he's trying to negotiate a better return for it now. Wait, do you have a sock full of pennies at home that you? No, but I'm always them? afraid. I'm no, I'm always afraid of getting hit by a sock full of pennies. I have a feeling getting <laughs> well, hit, Mike, I, because I know how much it hurts getting hit by a shower door. I have a feeling getting hit by a sock full of pennies would be even worse. <laughs> I'm not even sure Tom Brady knew that was his 600th because w- when you watch that. Mike Evans drops the ball to the ground. And then I presume that he here, because Tom Brady's coming up to him, and Brady gets there before he gives the ball away. And the guy says he yelled. The doctor says he yelled Big Mike. So I'm presuming that he yelled Big Mike, and he picked up the ball at that point and walked back over to him. My point is, I don't know how many people realize that was his 600 touchdown. Obviously, someone on the sideline did. But I'm thinking someone told Brady after he got back to the sideline that that was the 600th. And, hey, by the way, do you want the ball? We're going to go get it if you do. And he said, yes, I do. I'm guessing that how it worked, worked out. I wish someone had asked Brady if he knew that was his 600th. I, I can't tell whether or not 
the doctor in the front row was wearing a Mike Evans jersey. Why do you pick out a grown man if he you're going to give somebody a football? Okay, because I, you know, it's something you give to a kid. And it looks like he was sandwiched yeah. around some Bears fans too. So maybe Evans felt bad for him. I don't know. But hey, bottom line is, and it's easy for me to say it. If this was my client, this is how I would advise him or her. I don't know that I would necessarily do it. But the first thing I would have done was gotten the hell out of there and figured out a strategy for how to deal with this later. Because in that moment, when they come over and they start explaining it to you, if people figure out what's going on, then you're a big jerk for not giving the football back. And you deal with that pressure, that collective peer pressure. Oh, come on, just give the ball back. Oh, come on, don't be a jerk. I'd have gotten the hell out of there. Because that's a half million dollars. A half million dollars. Pre-tax. So after tax, still a lot of money. I would have gotten out of there and figured out my next move. Because Tom Brady can afford it. Tom Brady can definitely afford it. If he wants that memento, he can pay for it, just like he would have had to pay for his first Super Bowl, or sorry, not Super Bowl, but his first touchdown ball. For all we know, he did. For all we know, he's the one who paid the $425,000. All right, let's play a little word association. Cincinnati Bengals, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think finally, Mike, or maybe weird, I don't know, one or the other, because we're just not used to seeing the Bengals being the best team in the AFC, which right now, if the playoffs started today, and I always hate that line because, of course, the playoffs don't start today, but if they did, the Bengals would be the top seed in the AFC. 2015 was the last time they made the playoffs. We all know that 1990 was the last time they won a playoff game. It's been a really long time, but this looks like a really good team. And by the way, Mike, all these new teams we have coming into the playoffs, it appears, the Cardinals, the Bengals, some teams we haven't seen in in the recent past, there's a real possibility that the playoffs are not going to have Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New England, and Seattle. That's going to be really weird, which is why I use the word weird, because it just seems like this year's a little different. Yeah, I I think that different is the key, and hard to process is my reaction, because For the same reasons we're having a hard time getting around the idea that Chiefs aren't good, we're going to have a hard time getting around the idea that the Bengals are. Same thing with the Browns. With the two teams in Ohio, and they play week nine, we've had to go through this transformation in how we view them. The Browns are good, the Bengals are good, and they're both good at the same time. I wonder when the last time was they both were playoff contenders at the same time. I'm not sure it's ever happened! Frankly, maybe the early 80s. I'd have to go back and look at that. Or the late 80s. 88, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. 86, 87, 89, the Browns made it to the AFC Championship. So that would have been about the same time. But uh, they're both very good, and we'll see what they do. New England Patriots, word association. I say mediocre, Mike. They're good enough to beat the worst teams in the NFL. We've seen them beat the Jets now twice, and that was pretty impressive what they did yesterday. But they're not good enough to beat some of the better teams in the NFL, and we've seen that over the last few weeks. The Really, the outlier of their whole results so far is that season opener against the Dolphins when they lost the Dolphins. How did they lose that game to the Dolphins? Maybe it was the fact that it was Mac Jones's first start, but that's kind of the one that, that takes you places that says maybe this team is less than mediocre. But I, I would say mediocre for this team. Work in progress is what I'll say because they are trying to get better. They are getting better slowly but surely. Any team that's capable of scoring 54 points against another NFL team has potential. We'll see if they can improve and get more wins, get to 500, and then build on it. Arizona Cardinals. Talented. You look across that roster, they have stars at every single position. If you're going to do an NFL draft, a lot of those players on that team are going to be drafted highly. First-round draft picks, second-round draft picks. 
They've got a whole roster of them. And if they don't win a Super Bowl this year or next year, I, I think it's a tragedy for this team as talented as they are, Mike. Yeah, they, they are uh, powerhouse. And uh, they may draw a lucky card and not have to face multiple members of the Packers. They know they won't face Devontae Adams on that showdown we're looking at for Thursday night. So they're a powerhouse for now, but long way to go. Derrick Henry. MVP candidate. I mean, the last time a non-quarterback won it was 2012 with Adrian Peterson. I think he deserves to be in the conversation. He's 290 yards ahead of Jonathan Taylor for the rushing lead, 869 yards already. That puts him on pace to break the NFL record. And, Mike, I hope he breaks the NFL record in 16 games so there's not an asterisk in some people's mind, Eric Dickerson, that he took 17 games to do it. But you know what? When Eric Dickerson broke O.J. Simpson's single-season rushing record in 16 games, That's when right. O.J. Simpson you did it in 14, nobody, nobody said, nobody said, oh, oh no, you got two extra games. So if he breaks it, he breaks it. Period. That's it. And uh, and if somebody breaks Derrick Henry's record, if he sets the record with 18 games, so be it. That's the way it goes. Um, uh, Derrick Henry, I, I will say, not MVP candidate, but MVP finalist. He he is one of the few right now. That, that need to be seriously considered for that award. And not long ago, he was 80-1. to 1. And we, we do an MVP watch list every week, and I had him pegged as a major value at 80-1. to 1. And then he was 50-1, to 1 and it was a great value. And uh, those odds are going to be a lot lower, I believe, this week. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll get you ready for a Monday night game that could be affected by the same bomb cyclone, whatever the hell that is, that affected last night's game in Santa Clara. Saints-Seahawks preview next. Saints and the Seahawks get together tonight. Seahawks 2-4 and four and very, very desperate to get a win to avoid falling to 2-5 and five if they would lose. Saints had a week off. They're 3-2. Saints are four-point favorites. The over-under had been 42.5. It's down to 41.5 because of the weather. What are you going to be looking for in this one, Shireen? Well, I want to see what the Saints can do after a week off, Mike. I, I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to win this game pretty easily. But – I want to see them generate some offense despite the weather. It's probably an Alvin Kamara game, and that's good for the Saints if they can get him going and get him loose. They need to see more of him. And look, last night's game hit the over. I I made the over on this one one of my best bets before I was aware of the bomb cyclone. I don't think the weather's going to be as bad tonight in Seattle as it was last night in Santa Clara. It was just awful. I respect anyone that stayed out there. 49ers fans, if you went to that game – and you got yourself completely soaked, and you stayed there for all that, especially because it was a bad experience. I respect that because there's nothing where I don't know what the temperature was, but I don't care what the temperature is. Everything is worse if you're soaking wet. And if it's a little bit cold, it feels like you are in a refrigerator if you're soaking wet. It it is amazing. It was impressive that that many people showed up and stayed there the whole game. I saw the picture before that we had on NBC on Sunday Night Football before the game started, and there was a guy in his rain poncho with his two kids just eating nachos, and the rain just pounding that nut. It's like, man, that's that's good. really going to dilute that cheese. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know what? Those nachos cost 20 bucks, so I'm eating every right. one of them. 
They could eat them out in the concourse, though, but what the hell? It's part of the experience. You know, they didn't get to go to games at all last year. They'll take whatever weather conditions they can. It is great to see full stadiums. What a different year from last year. What a crazy year this has been. Maybe we'll get, fingers crossed, a great primetime game tonight, a great primetime game Thursday night. A lot of exciting games this year. We'll be here every weekday at 5 Eastern to get you ready for anything that's going on in the NFL. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. See you tomorrow afternoon.